Hello, everyone, and welcome to this New Moon Meditation meeting. Um, today is August 15th, 2023, and we're really glad to have all of you joining us here today for this um, important event. We have several of us here in the office today at um, our headquarters in New York, um, across the street from the UN, and we have also many more of us joining us online. So thank you to everyone who's taken time out of your busy, busy schedules to, to be here. So the new moon is an opportunity to come together in meditation and to aid the spiritual evolution of humanity and our planetary life. Meditation is the outstanding creative agent on our planet. And at the time of the new and full moons, the creative work or the magical work of the soul, as it is also called, is greatly facilitated. These two interludes at the new and full moon are periods of intensified relationship between the sun and the moon and profoundly affect the divine circulatory flow of life through all units and kingdoms on our planet. And the new moon is considered the lower of these interludes. And just as in the higher interlude, the lower interlude is a period of intense silence wherein the soul, in meditation, gathers its force, and prepares for another cycle of intensive work. It is a beginning, an initiation, and in many ways a birth. And this requires a total silence and quiescence on the part of the personality, which then enables alignment with and an evocation of the spiritual will. It is the will, however, which is the great cause and initiating force behind all processes in nature. The will sustains, it builds, and it resurrects, it makes all things new. The interludes at the new and full moon hold great creative potential, and this is largely due to the focusing of the spiritual will, which is amplified by the meditative focus of the spiritual hierarchy during these times. The hierarchy are always in ceaseless and constant group meditation, but this meditation reaches points of amplified focus and tension at the time of the new and full moon. Those members of humanity who are able to truly meditate and to work as souls also participate in this great planetary meditation. And our meditation here tonight definitely seeks to contribute to this work. At the new moon, the attention of hierarchy is focused on humanity and seeks to strengthen its invocative potential. And to this end, we use the meditation entitled Strengthening the Hand of the New Group of World Servers. This group is composed of individuals from every nation, every race, every field of human endeavor. They are those in whom the consciousness of the soul is awakened they therefore naturally work to heal divisions, to facilitate universal brotherhood wherever they are. And they can be recognized by the potency of their thought, the clarity of their vision, and the magnetism of their love. They are a great bridging group, and the salvation of humanity rests in their hands. And it is this hand we seek to strengthen through our meditation work tonight. The release of all the so-called prisoners of the planet is the goal of all creative work in the present cycle. And it is humanity, and particularly the new group, which stands at the middle point and therefore potentially the bridge whereby these prisoners find release. The new group of world servers focuses the invocative appeal of humanity and all these prisoners by becoming itself a reservoir of lighted energy, focused and sustained at an invocative point of tension. It is upon this bridge, which is the invocative group, that the saving, transforming, and liberating force of the higher spheres will come. And the question before us at the new moon, then, is fundamentally, how can the new group become this bridge and thereby fulfill its invocative potential? How can we, as members of this group, work as souls, 
lending our little wills to the evo evocation of the will in the group sense. And so before proceeding with these questions, though, let us take a moment to affirm the importance of this important quality of the will. Let's take a moment of alignment and recollection and sound the affirmation of the will. In the center of the will of God I stand. Naught shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. In meditation, both the higher and lower interludes are periods of silence and inactivity from the angle of the personality only. This personality seeks to quiet, become quiet, and therefore responsive to the will of the soul, and therefore a reliable mechanism through which that soul can work. But from the perspective of the soul, these interludes are moments of intensified focusing and active work. The interludes afford the soul the opportunity to employ its powers to the fullest, unhindered, and undistracted by any distortions in materialism inherent in the lunar nature of all lives in the three worlds. The control of the personality by the soul is progressive, and it requires the cultivation of a number of spiritual qualities and virtues. And one of the first of these to be employed is the quality of sacrifice. Sacrifice is a quality of the soul that is very much associated with the will. It is also a great law which governs the great hierarchy of spiritual relationships which span from highest spirit down to lowest matter. True sacrifice is always self-initiated and freely given. In the individual, the personality sacrifices in order to choose the higher way. It relinquishes its natural tendency towards selfish gain, the satisfaction of desire, so that the will of a, of a greater life, at first the soul, can pour through it, thereby bringing light, love, and spiritual direction into the world. On a much larger scale, our planetary life is known also as the Great Sacrifice. It was the spiritual need of the many grades of life now evolving within our planetary sphere which drew him down into densest incarnation and expression. And though he resolved to respond to the call of those many lives who cried for, quote, the glory of an entering God, yet, we are told, he liked it not, and thus the pain. Pain is inherent in duality. And while such duality exists, sacrifice remains closely tied to both pain and sorrow. Duality is, of course, particularly difficult to transcend. But the first step is to resolve the basic and ancient antagonism which exists between soul and personality. To do so, one must awaken to the fusing and synthesizing power of the will, well, awaken, but also evoke this fusing and synthesizing power of the will. 
the expression of intelligent and sacrificial love, is the first step towards the evocation of this will. And once this basic duality is overcome, we know that sacrifice transforms from the pain of thwarted desire into the pure bliss of higher being. This urge to sacrifice is also clearly evident today in humanity as a whole. We need only look at the general trend towards national and group betterment of every example where individuals place the group, the community, the nation, or the planet above their own immediate wants and desires to see this great law of the soul and expression. Sacrifice as humanity expresses it today is largely motivated by nationalism and or some other form of political or cultural ideology, and therefore only concerned with the good of a relative whole. However, there is a growing segment of humanity who seeks truly to serve the highest good and is capable of working with the sacrificial, intelligent love to the betterment of the whole human race. And this trend towards sacrifice is in fact one of the key qualities underlying social evolution broadly. Today this is evidenced in many organizations which seek human upliftment and betterment. And much of this work today is focalized or at least represented by the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. These goals aim to end poverty and inequality, to protect the planet, and to, and to ensure that all people enjoy health, justice, and prosperity. The ideology which lies behind the SDGs is unambiguous in its support for the whole and the establishment of right relationship between people and planet, all while respecting the principle of national sovereignty, which remains an important element of international justice and freedom. Nationalism is one area, though, where, although sacrifice is often present in great measure, it does serve the part and not the whole. Humanity has proven itself quite capable of sacrificing itself for ideals, for ideology, and for country. And so though the will to sacrifice is clearly present, one is, or Though that will to sacrifice is clearly present in humanity, we are not really able to relinquish entirely our closely held national identities or our our ideologies enough to truly honor that international whole, which is composed of all nations and of many viewpoints. It is easy to argue on one hand that nationalism or so-called globalism The two are not really inherently opposed. There is, of course, a right spirit of nationalism, which, quote, rightly fosters its individual civilization as a national contribution to the general good of the whole world of nations, rather than as a means of self-glorification or of national pride. Just as thriving individuals are essential to any successful group, so too is the nation-state a fundamental unit in any enlightened, just, and free global civilization. There are, however, innumerable instances in international politics and economics where national interests conflict quite profoundly with global need. And then, at this point, the question of sacrifice becomes much more germane. For it is only when the good of the whole is dependent upon relinquishment of the selfish that the great need for the truly loving and intelligent sacrificial spirit becomes needed or becomes relevant. Though there are visionary thinkers who are able to embody this ideal of a truly global citizenship, which is not opposed to the true and enlightened spirit of nationalism, it really is not the majority that are able to sort of rise up to this, what is actually quite a very high ideal for humanity. Data shows that 
well more than half the planet today consider themselves global citizens. However, many of these same peace people also are shown to harbor strong national sentiments. In the 2016 World Values Survey, of those who strongly identified as global citizens, 82% of them also identified strongly with their nation. And 74% of these so-called global citizens reported being highly proud of their nation. Also, 62% of these self-identified global citizens said that they would always put their country's problems first, no matter what. And so this really is not in keeping with the so-called, or not so-called, but this really is not in keeping with the spirit of sacrifice, which is needed to break down the walls of separateness, which, as we know, so profoundly divide our world today. And though it may seem we have not made as much progress towards this ideal as we would have liked as the human race, there is undoubtedly a growing sense of responsibility today, and especially among the youth, who demonstrate a real burgeoning desire to do whatever is needed for the good of the planet and of the whole. It is also clear that we have reached a point of international closeness and of globalization which really can go no further until the more pernicious aspects of nationalism begin to wane. And quite obviously, this means that we find ourselves at a real point of crisis and a very consequential one at that. And so what is needed now more than ever is the vision, the direction, and the intelligent compassion and wisdom whereby a new paradigm in international relationships can be worked out. The seeds of this today are already planted, and certainly there is a core and growing group which does embody and work towards these ideals. However, what seems to be lacking is the will to see this new vision into a reality. The new group of world servers are pioneers in the right use of the sacrificial will. And it is they who will need to demonstrate not just vision, intelligence, and compassion, but also courage and fearlessness, which are two basic qualities of the will. The awakening of the will to sacrifice leads to the relinquishment of all which binds, limits, and imprisons, and it does lead to the attainment of the higher way. It is thus a great path of freedom, of beauty, of elevation, and of truth. And what is needed today is, is for more and more people in the general public to realize this path of sacrifice as, as just that, one of beauty, of freedom, of truth, and of elevation. There is great spiritual truth in the axiom, which I'm sure many of us have heard. It states, to those who give all, all is given. Through the total relinquishment of personality and of all the limitations of form, one attains the power to serve, the power to inspire, the power to aid, the power to serve, the power to make all things new. And so with this potential in mind, with this sort of importance of the new group in mind, let us now proceed with our meditation, which does aim to strengthen the hand of this group. strengthening the hands of the new group of world servers. 
group fusion. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my souls pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We recognize our place as a group within the heart center of the group of world servers. We mentally extend a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center, to the Christ, the heart of love within the hierarchy, and towards Shambhala, where the will of God is known. Higher interlude. We hold the mind focused for a few moments on the planetary role of the group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity, responding to hierarchical impression, and mediating the plan into existence.
meditation. Reflect on the seed thought through the impression and expression of certain great ideas. Humanity must be brought to the understanding of the fundamental ideals which will govern the new age. This is the major task of a new group of world servers.
precipitation. Visualize the precipitation of the will to good, essential love throughout the planet, from Shambhala, to the planetary heart, the hierarchy, to the Christ, the group of world servers, to all men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, and finally, to the hearts and minds of the whole human family. Or interlude. Consider the many ways in which the power of the one life and the love of the one soul are working out in the world through members of the new group of world servers, so building a thought form of solution to world problems.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the irradiation of human consciousness with light and love and power. We will use the adapted version of the great invocation. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. So we now move into the period of our um, meeting, which is uh, open for group discussion. So those of you here in the room that have any comments, uh, of course, you can sort of just jump in. And anybody online, if you'd like to make a comment, just simply uh, raise your hand and we will unmute you and you can share audibly. So you can raise your hand by going to the reactions button on your Zoom toolbar. And then from there, you can see the, the option to raise your hand. And Kathy, you just let me know if somebody has a hand raised, okay. So we have a few questions for discussion as well, which are on your, uh, which should be on the PowerPoint there. And also those of us here have them in our chairs. Um, I guess I can read those to get us started. So the first asks, do you recognize the basic antagonism which exists between the spiritual will, the group will, and the individual will? How do these, how does this play out in world affairs? The second is about sacrifice. What role can sacrifice or the process of making whole play in the alignment of the individual group and spiritual will? The third is, what is group consciousness? Is it a quality to be developed, a guiding ideal, or is it a spiritual fact of the soul on its own plane? Perhaps all three. Are these not the questions on the sheet? No. It's just a different, different order. Oh, they're in a different order. Okay, okay. Yeah. So. Well, I'll jump in, Michael. Okay, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, Maya. I'm just close to you. Well, um. The question on group consciousness, uh, what is it and is it a quality to be developed, a guiding ideal or a spiritual fact? Definitely all three. 
in my mind. What I find interesting, you know, I guess the older you get, the more time you get to observe things. And in the last 50 years, I've just seen such a tremendous change in this regard. I've been a beneficiary of education that's been trying to develop that quality since I was a child. And I've seen that ideal being presented more and more. And people's, you know, adoption of different spiritual paths and traditions really being able to bring their own state of consciousness to a place where they could realize it as a spiritual fact as well. Um, I definitely see that the soul of humanity is good. You know, it's a process of drawing it forth. Education is, a, by definition, a process of bringing something forth. And so, you know, the personality is the problem, not the soul. The vehicle is the, the, that needs development is the, the mind and It's been, you know, when I look at things like social media, media in general, um, the crises that are happening in the world, um, you know, so many different ways in which we're all being demanded of or challenged or have the opportunity um, to let go of old identifications and, and develop group consciousness, whether it's through greater understanding, awareness, you know, we're all kind of finding out that we're pretty much the same kind of person. It's just we have different modifications on the theme of what a human being is or our cultural differences. But for the most part, I mean, it's just been such an amazing time to be alive, to see so much more understanding, so much more awareness, so much more compassion and concern arising like almost daily, weekly, monthly. So, um, you know, hopefully we develop it through means that aren't just through crisis, but through, I guess humanity does seem to learn best that way. Yeah. So... Yes, um, I read in some of the things like that. At times, um, people feel their soul or the group soul through crisis, unfortunately. That's when we often do work with it and feel it. That's what activates a lot of groups. So crisis is not that bad. <laughs> now, humanity is ruled by the fourth ray, which is harmony through conflict. So it is the way we learn best, I guess. Yeah, but you know, the um, crisis, crisis in general is so often uh, accompanied by this whole like drama, you know, the drama of crisis, and and unfortunately, that sort of personality drama is exactly the kind of thing we want to get away from at the same time as well. So, but perhaps it's an opportunity, you know, everything that comes with a crisis on every level is is, is what the opportunity is because. You know, it's like one of those people think that they're very peaceful people, oftentimes, or they're very kind, or they're very, you know, they're very kind people, they're very generous, until they're put in a position where they really actually have to give up something in order to be that person, mm -hmm. you know, you know, when you put in a situation where you're actually really, really irritated and have to remain peaceful, or you really don't want to give up something, and yet you're asked to do so, so, yeah, makes sense, you know. Yeah, you're pushed to that your own personal limit, whatever that is. Your ring past nod of what's familiar, what's comfortable. Yeah, you have to do that. And then you demand it of to step further than that. And, you know, that's happening daily for, I think, all of us, to be honest, in our own ways. There's some hands raised. Okay. Make sure the computer's unmuted, Kathy, so we can hear you. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. 
is uh, I would like to remind everybody, uh, according to DK, the root word, root meaning of sacrifice is to make holy. And this goes in line with, with the, the ever-present moments of crisis. It gives us an opportunity to make holy that which we have to confront and get over our inertia and, and, uh, well, that's, that's, that's what I have to say. Get over our inertia. Thank you. Thank you. Santana. Oh, hello. Um, well, I, I completely agree with both, um, David and Maya. And as to speak to the group consciousness, it is all three. And we are all connected via the etheric body and via the energy of our souls, our emotional bodies. It's been said by Master DK that epidemics flow through the astral body of humanity as worry and irritation. But as to crisis, crisis often brings groups together, such as the terrible crisis in Maui with the fires. So many people are coming together to help each other in that terrible situation. And the whole other thing about group consciousness is we are groups. We're just not conscious of it. So somehow the consciousness aspect has to be cultivated. So, and thank you, Michael, for your really profound meditation and, and your reflections. Thank you, Santana. Julia. Okay. So maybe someone can help me out here because what happens to me as I commented and I guess what Michael was saying, like, oh, we like to think ourselves as kind. And then a situation comes up and we are faced with the fact that we're not kind. And what happens here is that, like, in the world that I'm living and the fact that I'm not doing a lot makes me a very unkind person. Or, like, I'm not, I didn't give money to Maui. You know, like, it's like, what happens is that, this thing about what is the higher will or like what is the act of service that is required of me at the time and place that I am, you know, that is the right thing to do. Like this is very disconcerting for me to be like in the dark of that, you know? Um Yeah. So that's my comment. Thanks, Julia. I'll just respond and just with the caveat that I'm not trying to, tell you what to do or anybody what to do but just because you did ask for anybody to share another perspective on that in my own personal opinion and and I understand exactly what you're experiencing because I've experienced it before myself as well and what's helped me is to come to a clear understanding of what my responsibility is uh, my spiritual responsibility and to be very clear about what that is because if you're not clear on where that where that lies, then you're never, there's never going to be enough, you know, and of course you always want to be striving for more, but especially when it comes to, you know, financial giving, especially, it's pretty easy to come to like a, like a, a number for instance, and say, this is what, what I think is, is right, right, right to give. And the same of one's time as well, you know, at a certain point, what do I think is, is the right amount of time to give to whatever I think is important, whether it's family or mm. some service project mm. or whatever it is, you know, the community. And then of course you can reassess that, but um, there's a sense of discontent that helps to drive us on, but at a certain point it becomes an, uh, its own hindrance as well. John? Thank you. And I certainly understand Julia's comment because we all feel pressed to do what we can. And sometimes the best mantra is do what you can and do the thing today that you can't do tomorrow. With that, I'll turn it back to you for further comment. 
Thank you, John. Are there more hands, Kathy? That's interesting. I was thinking about the idea of necessity. Um, because in the Agni Yoga teachings, they like to use that word a lot, that um, our ability to create a sense of group awareness or group consciousness is driven by necessity and also by identification. So not to change the subject about what people are talking about in terms of what is your personal responsibility. I think that changes and evolves too, depending on your identification and what you think is the most necessary thing for you to respond to in your environment. You know, that can change in terms of your consciousness of what's going on around you, what you know to be your strengths and your abilities to contribute. And so when I think about it, I think about it as a very dynamic thing that's very an immediate thing that, you know, whether you plan a long-range effort, you base it on what you know now, and you do what you feel is the most, the best thing that you can do to have the greatest impact. Um, I just wanted to share something related to your, your talk, Michael, related to <clears throat> different countries, the polling of certain people said that they would give to the whole, but they would always put their own nation first. And um, there's, a, there's a passage in one of the books where the Tibetan talks about a not-too-distant future, wherein all of the resources of the planet will be in the hands of a, a group that is kind of anointed to hold the responsibility to then distribute those resources equitably to all countries in the world. Mm -hmm. And if you couple that with what you said, the polling, you wonder, well, that's an, a long way off because there are many countries that are very large and have many more resources. Why would they be willing to share their resources with a little, say, poor country somewhere that has very few resources? But I think that it is possible because of the what we've spoken about tonight of the changing consciousness and if each country's needs become met by this collective sharing of all of the resources in the world maybe that little tiny country has uh, some very valuable resource that becomes very important at a future time might not be that important now so their little country will be able to contribute something valuable to the whole. Or they might have a lot of people that are very willing to and giving to help others. And, mm -hmm. you know, each country has its gifts to give to the whole. And so as we all come to recognize that, and each country dedicates themselves to that giving to the greater good, then all of their needs will be met. And all of the needs of all the poor, hungry inequitable situations that are occurring in the world today will begin to be rectified. So I think they'll all see it not so much as losing out, but everybody will gain. And that's, I hope it's not too far off, and I don't think it is, if we make some big changes in consciousness. And... That's a beautiful vision, Kathy. Thank you. That's funny that you should say that, Kathy, because you just... Oh. You just reminded me of something. Um, well, while, Michael, you were presenting, I, this idea came to mind. You know, if there's a small group of people who are trying to control the planet negatively because of the law of polarity, there's probably a small group of people trying to control it positively, right? And then that group that got polled is the people kind of in the middle. But for now, at least. But also, I was, for some reason, I don't know how, it must have came across some feed or something. I was reading about the tiny little island country of Nauru. 
and it's the th third smallest country on the planet that's actually a country. Um, at one point, it had the highest GDP of any country in the world, believe it or not, like each citizen out of maybe 50,000 of it there. They were the richest people on the planet, only because they had this one mineral, phosphate, that was extremely valuable. It was their only export, and many countries wanted it. And as long as that was being mined there, they were very wealthy. At some point, it ran out. Exactly. And what to do in a country that has a lot of people, but they don't really have any resources that are particularly valuable. It's difficult because there is, you know, international law, the principle of national sovereignty is one of the most fundamental principles of international law, you know, and it's, there's almost really no way, no way around, no way around that really, like, it, it's just so fundamental to the whole, whole structure, the whole regime of international law that it's like, how do you get around that unless there's like a sort of voluntary, um, voluntary commitment to do so. And it's not, not unreasonable that it, it could happen. And, and Kathy, what you were describing, you know, it's, it's really easy to see, or for me at least, to envision like a sort of hybrid model where there's, where there's some direction in that no country is left entirely bereft of resources. And at the same time, you know, we still have a sort of free market system um, coexisting at the same time. And so I can't imagine, obviously, there'd be an end of a free market system or anything like that anytime soon, but definitely a hybrid model where, you know, you have your quota, that you where you have, have like, yeah. you know, the basic, basic amount of food. And I think today, I mean, when countries are, when there's like severe drought, when there's war, there is international aid given, certainly, in, in almost all cases. And whether it's enough or not, that's another question, but... The fact is, like, the countries who are more well-off generally do step up and give. Of course, they could give more. Um, and, of course, there's more than just the bare bones that people need to really thrive as well, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not like people just have one meal a day and they're out of poverty, of course, you know. Mm -hmm. I, don't know. I, I, I studied uh, related to this issue of sharing there's a, there was a French astrologer who spoke of an aspect. He, he analyzed long trends and compared them to astrological aspects. And he said that in 2026, midway through in, in the summer of 2026, there's going to be a configuration between, I think it's the six outer planets of the, of the, of our system. That will be configured in such a way that there's a completely positive flow between these six planets. And he saw this from his study of long-term study of history, that this aspect will signal a, a real spiritual awakening and the dawning of like a new age of sharing and distribution on the part of humanity and part of the, to, to meet the needs of the poor, he said. And it's, that's, it's interesting that it comes right after 2025, which we know is a significant turning point in our planetary life. And so it's an, it's an interesting thing to consider and very hopeful. Um, certainly, I don't think he was saying that this aspect is going to occur and immediately we're going to have this massive change. No, but it's a seed moment for a future not too distant flowering. So. It's another thing. There's another hand up. Uh, John, I'm not sure if you are raising your hand again. Yes, yes, Kathy. You stimulated my imagination. I especially enjoyed hearing the, um, all of this about international law and how it's implemented. And please, if you get a chance in the coming days, um, a little more information about that aspect of 2026. Regarding sharing, I'm sure you're familiar with the children's tale of stone soup which supposedly had its origins at the end of the napoleonic wars when three soldiers were coming back from the fighting and they came into a village and all the villagers ran and hid because the soldiers were coming they'll take everything 
and they three sat up, you know, set up in the middle of the square, a, a big pot, and they put water in it and built a fire and began to boil the water. And they put in three stones. And the villagers came out one by one and said, what are you, what are you doing? Oh, we're making stone soup. It's wonderful. Really? Yes, it's just stones. Of course, it would be good if we had some turnips. And then one of the villagers said, oh, I have some turnips. And then a few others came out. This would taste really great if we just had just a hint of onion. And someone had that. And before, you know, the story's over, they'd managed to encourage the villagers into bringing out all their hoarded supplies. And they all had a wonderful feast. I share that story because um, it's such a beautiful child's tale and it takes us from a place of hoarding and scarcity and suspicion to one of sharing. And I would suspect, Kathy and my friends, that that might be something like the process we'll see coming our way. Great story. Well, thank you so much, John. That's a great story, actually, and very relevant, of course. Um, I think, though, it's probably time to wrap up. So we have a lot of nice comments you could say. There's a lot of good comments in the chat, of course, I'm and sure. What? And you'll read them. Oh, yeah, I'll read them later. Yeah, no, I, I do look forward to reading them later. So um, thank you all so much for all your participation today, for all your thoughts, for all your careful attention, and for your um, focus and meditation. Let us now just close with a moment of a brief moment of, of silence. We can keep in mind the the invocative potential of the new group during this time. Thank you, everyone. Thank so you. the new moon reaches its point of intensest focus um, tomorrow morning at 5.37 Eastern Daylight Time, 5.38 Eastern Daylight Time. And our next meeting will be the Virgo full moon, which occurs Wednesday, August 30th at 6 p.m. Um, and then we have following that, the Virgo new moon, which will occur um, September 14th at 6 p.m. So we look forward to seeing you all again then.